You're in for a treat. And uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Lamont. Thank you for Kiki. Thank you, Lord, that you sent them here. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to bless them as they plant a new church. But for this morning, please bless Lamont. Anoint him with your spirit. Let your word pour forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, brothers and sisters. Oh, this is going to be tough. Mom's here. <laughs> nah, that's cool. Nobody knows me like mom. I tell you what, though, I just want to tell you it's a privilege and an honor um, to stand before you. Um, it wouldn't matter whether I was standing in front of three people or, or 300. Anytime that you have an opportunity to import, impart the word of God to people, uh, it, it is something that should be considered an honor and a privilege. And um, I'm humbled to stand in front of you, my family. So I also want to thank Pastor Woody. Uh, he all, yeah, yeah, I'm get you and get you. He, uh, <laughs> he, he wants us to be brothers, you know what I'm saying? But he knows that he's more like a father, you know what I mean? And, uh, he gets funny when he shaves his beard off. He, you know, he like loses like six or seven years when he shaves his beard off, but you know, he's still the same age as he was. So he's more like a father, he's a mentor to me, you know? I love him a great deal. I thank God for him. Um, I thank God also for my mother who's here this morning. You know, I gotta, I gotta make it right. And uh, <laughs> my mom's here and uh, it's a blessing. Um, but this morning, uh, we're going to start off with a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story this morning. About a year ago, a little under a year ago, last summer, uh, my uncle passed away. And uh, he lives in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Because this, uh, this uncle has done so many things in the kingdom, um, it, it was important that the whole family went down, as many people as could, went down to go um, to his funeral and to bury him and to see him off. And um, I made it very clear from the very beginning that I was going to go. And Joel was, me and Joel was going to go. And I made it very clear. And, um, but my mom proceeded to ask everybody else in the family for a ride. <laughs> she asked every cousin I had for a ride. Now, all the while, I'm sitting back saying to myself, now, I know she knows we're going down. The, I know she knows she's going down the road, you know. But mom, after she was rejected by every cousin, <laughs> and they all told her to come back, hey, hey, ain't Lamont and Joel going down? Why don't you go with them here, Reese? After she was rejected by every cousin, about two hours before we get ready to pull away from my house, here comes mom pulling up in her car. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she says, uh, uh, would you mind if I rolled down with you? And then me and Joel looked at each other like, we, we, knew, she knew, we knew she was going to ride with us from a week ago, you know? <laughs> but but uh, in any case, she got in the car. There was no problem with her riding down. Love her mother a great deal. The issue came. She knows it's true. The issue came when we started driving. You know, I had it set in my mind that I was going to take 81 South uh, to go down, down South. And uh, my mom, I got ready to get on 81 South. She said, what, you, what are you doing? And I said, Mom, I'm going 81 South. I'm going 1115 to 81 going down. You don't know that way. You, you better go to 83. You're going to the turnpike. I said to myself, I was like, well, yo, you wasn't even coming an hour ago. You, you, wasn't even, you know what I mean? You wasn't even in the whip an hour ago. You know, but uh, it seemed like every turn I made, well, if, I went, if I went right, mom was telling me, oh, you need to go left. If I say to Joel, I'll tap Joel and say, hey, Joel, this is McDonald's, like the next exit down, we can stop, get something to eat. No, no I seen a Waffle House two exits down, we're going to Waffle House. It, 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 let me tell you something. It didn't matter what I said, mom had an opinion, okay, from the back seat, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you, by the time we got to the bottom part of Virginia, 
everyone in the I'm telling you, I, and, and it was I had one a of the moments I just began worshiping God for the people, for the person who, who, who decided to make rest stops. You know, I just, this sentence, I'm just, I would just, Father God, just thank you for how you endowed him with wisdom. <laughs> because I'm telling you what, that, that rest stop, that rest stop meant everything <laughs> on the way down. And um, I tell you what, that was my mom. Now we're doing this in fun and jokes, you know, but it's true though. And, uh, <clears throat> but how, when you make a commitment to make God the head of your life, when you make a commitment to let him be the author and finisher of your faith, essentially what you're doing is you're getting in his car. While you're in this car, God's car, there are going to be times when he's going to go left and your mind was set on going right. Okay? This is God's car. This is not mine. It's God's. But I tell you what. We have to learn how to be decent passengers if God's going to be leading us and driving us, right? Amen. Nobody, nobody, and when I tell you in terms of my mom and my, my trip down to Jacksonville, you can understand how a person in your back seat may be somewhat of a distraction to you. <laughs> but let me tell you something. God is offering you instruction. He wants to lead you and guide you, not into some aspects of your life, but God wants to lead and guide you into all aspects of your life. And if you are going to make a commitment to get in his car, you need to let him take you where he wants to take you. You need to go where he will have you to go. Amen? Today, we're going to talk, I'm going to speak with you a little bit about a man by the name of Naaman. Okay, let's go to chapter 1. We're going to be coming out of 2 Kings, chapter 5. We're going to start here at uh, chapter 1, you see. Because Naaman made a commitment eventually to get in God's car. But. Naaman couldn't just sit in the back of God's car and ride where he needed to go. Every time God told him to make a left, he was saying, I, I want to go right. Every time he was saying, I want you to stop here, he was saying, I want to go here. Oftentimes, we are the same to God as my mom was on that trip down to Jacksonville. It's okay. She knows. It's okay. She knows it's true. But we'll, have, we'll be in God's car, and we'll want God to take us from one point to another, but we'll want to argue and bark at him the whole time he's moving us. We want to drag our feet and make it hard, okay? The first verse says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was also a valiant soldier, but he was a leper. Okay? A couple things stuck out to me about this first verse. The one thing that stuck out to me was the fact that there were so many glowing Beautiful things that they used to describe Naaman as a person. He was great, a great man in the sight of his master. His master. Okay? It's one thing to be great in the eyes of your peers. It's a whole nother thing to be great in the eyes of your master. He that has rule over you. But his master says he was looked at him as a great man. 
That meant everybody, everyone in Syria knew this man. They knew of him. They knew he was a good person, a respected person. But listen to this. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Even God looked upon this man as a noble man. The thing that sticks out to me about him is the things in his life that he had the ability to control and master, he did that. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything about the fact that he was a leper, okay? But he could do things about the type of person he was, the man that he was, okay? Naaman represents all of us. We're all striving to be the best that God can make us. It's a continue, a continue every day, trial and tribulation, error. You know, you fall, you get back up. You fall, you get back up. Some people don't want you to believe that, 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 that Christians fall. They fall. And what makes them believers is the fact that they get back up. But to live in a world where we say that no one falls is to put yourself in an untruthful existence. But the things and the aspects that he could control, he controlled. You may not be perfect in 100% capacity. And you may not have the ability to be perfect in a 100% capacity. But the things in your life that God has given you the ability to have victory over, get victory over those things. This moves God. I can remember as a child, I used to hear a song by the Mighty Clouds of Joy. And it said, well, if you take one step, he'll take two. Because there ain't no limit to what he'll do. Okay? We're not going there this morning. <laughs> but Brother Bart, I know you know. I know you know what I'm talking about. But I tell you what. God's movement can be spawned when he sees our movement. That's one aspect. He controlled the aspects of his life he could control, and he's going to have to lean on God for everything else. Amen? Amen. The second thing that comes to my mind is, this is a biblical story about Assyrian people who stood in opposition of Israel. Essentially, what I'm telling you is this is a biblical story about who would be considered one of our enemies. But what does that tell you? What it tells me is, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, God is interested in making you complete. And no matter where you're at, he'll find you. Sometimes we think that he'll only bless the people in Israel. He'll only bless the believer. He'll only bless the people that go to church. But let me tell you something. His reign falls on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Okay? Whoever you are, wherever you are, if there's something in you that's lacking, God is willing to find you. There's nobody too far for God to reach. You think you're so in a so, such a low part of life that God can't go there? He went to hell and took the keys. You can't get lowered in hell. Don't matter where you at, God wants to complete you this morning. I'm not, this is not a message for a year from now. Sometimes you hear a message and you say, I'm going to put that in my pocket. <laughs> and, when every, and when it presents itself, I'll pull it out and I'll have it right there. This is not one of the messages. God wants to change and complete someone today. Here, now, and you don't have to If you're wait. going to get in his car, let him drive. 
Let him drive. Let him have his way in every existence of your life. Don't let him just drive sometimes. I tell you, we talked early in the earlier service about Facebook or whatever. And uh, I'll tell you something about that in a little bit. But he controlled the aspects that he could control, and God found him wherever he was at. Amen? Amen. Now I'm going to tell you a little, little bit of the story so that you can understand where we're at. So after this, they would periodically do raids into northern Israel. The Syrians would. Oftentimes, Naaman would lead them in these, in these raids. Oftentimes, they would find young ladies, and they would bring them back, and them ladies would be, become their mates or their servants in their home. They brought one young lady back from Israel, and she became the servant to Naaman's wife. Okay, so she, she had a, a, a she had, she could enter in to the privacy of their life. She had access to the hidden aspects of their life. One day she was sitting with her, with her, her servant, and the servant looked at her and said, Matt, Matt, maiden, if only your husband knew the prophet in Israel, he would surely cleanse him from his leprosy. If only you knew. See, God will send you someone to get you where you need to go. You don't always start out on this race knowing where you need to be. But that's why you got to keep this world turned down. They got that song, turned down for what? (laughs) Turned down so you can hear the voice of God. I want, you to, I want you to continue. What, 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 what do the, the young people here know? What, what you, you turn up, what are you doing? You're drinking? You're smoking? You're showing off? You're doing everything in your power to look like a nut. And you know what the world is telling you? Turn it up. Turn it up. But when you live at a turned up rate like that, the person could come by and tell you how to get to where you need to go, and you won't even hear them. You won't even hear them. That's why you turn down. Turn down for that. Let's go to verse number nine. Uh, oh, yes, I'm sorry, sorry. You're, you're, you're right, sir. You're right. I wanted to give you guys scripture to let you know that this is just not someone up here talking. We live, we live by the Bible. Okay? So anything that's said out of my mouth, you should be able to find and verify it in the Word of God. Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you, who is that? That's God, right? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That don't matter. That's for every one of his creations. Every one of you, there has been a great work that has been started in you. Basically, what I'm telling you is this. God has put an investment in you. Who do you know that doesn't want to return on their investment? What kind of businessman would I be if I invested $10,000 in a business and only got a dollar back? I'll be broke, (laughs) and I'll be out of business real soon. But God gave Naaman the ability to be brave. He gave him the ability to be valiant. He gave him the ability to be regarded highly amongst his peers. But there was one thing he didn't have, and that was he was unclean. He was a leper. Okay? We're the same exact way. We're the same exact way. There are a lot of things that are good about us, that one, but there could be a relationship we can't we seem to get separated from. Could be that drug that just is calling us all the time, addicted totally. 
can't seem to put the habit down. We all have these things. But what I'm here to tell you on this day is that God wants to complete you. He doesn't want to do it tomorrow. God is here now. He's here now. Amen? Let's go to verse number one. But you got it. She knows better than me. Number nine. She wasn't even in the first service. Spirit's on you, sister. <laughs> but there has to come a point where we realize that the way that we're driving just ain't getting us where we need to be. It's just not getting us where we need to be. Okay? This is where Naaman's at right here, right here in, uh, in, in verse uh, 9. He's had what we would consider in 2016 if he had a Facebook account. He would, he would say, oh, le- leprosy is really working my nerves today. Ugh, U-G-H. <laughs> Jesus, take the will. And there's nothing wrong with saying Jesus take the will if you're a new Christian, a new believer. But I have an issue with people who have been serving God for 20 years, 10 years consistently, being on Facebook talking about Jesus take the will. You were never supposed to give it back to him. You were never supposed to take it away from me. When you make a commitment to make God the author and finisher of your life, and you give him that will, you get out that driver's seat, and you don't think about touching that will no more. The problem that's caught, that a lot of, causes a lot of us to stay in our situations longer than we need to be in the situations is we won't let God drive. We won't let him drive. He wants to get us where we need to be, but we won't take our hands off the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. If you're a new Christian, if you're an old Christian, Jesus, stay right where you're at. Sit right there in that driver's seat, put your hands on the wheel, and lead me and guide me where you need me to go. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah. He bought his horses and his chariots to be healed by God. I could, I could imagine. I could imagine it was a royal. I could imagine they were, his servants were walking in front of the carriage. And I could imagine and naming just as leopard up as he wants to be. Haughty. Expecting that who he was or his status was going to move God. You bought your little 50 horses. We serve a God that has the cattle on a thousand hills. The way that you approach God matters. You're not approaching your buddy. You're approaching the author of the universe. And he comes with horses and carriages. Let me tell you something. Pride comes before the fall. When you go to lean, get down on your knees before God and call on him, you better do it with a humble attitude. The word of God actually tells us that he rejects the stiff arm, the Heisman. That's what the Heisman trophy is. What he's doing, what the guy in the Heisman trophy is doing is he's, this arm right here is going to stop whoever's tackling him. He's going to stiff arm him. When you come and approach God, with a haughty attitude. <laughs> He's hitting you with the Heisman. And you're not Charles Woodson. Okay? If you want God's heart to open up to you, go to him with a humble disposition. Okay? Go to him with approaching. We got to I a point where we, we, we diminish who he is. Oh, the guy upstairs. No, he's not. He's God. 
He's the one who made the moon. He's the one who made the sun. He's the one who made your children. He's the one who woke you up this morning. He's the one who gives you a roof over your head. He's the one who gives you food to eat. This is the God we're talking about. And when we approach him, we need to approach him like he's the sustainer of our life. Let me tell you something. When I walk in my house, my kids, they're very here, they'll tell you. My dog will jump over a couch <laughs> to get to me. I'll lay my head down on the pillow. He'll put his head right down, come get him, put his head right down on the pillow right next to me, like we're equals. <laughs> but you see, that has to do with the fact that he knows I sustain him. He knows when he wants to be walked, who's going to walk him. When he needs to eat, who's going to feed him. When he needs to bathe, who's going to bathe him. Dogs aren't smarter than us. That's when we walk through that door. We should be looking to jump over people to get here. And when we come through that door, we should come through that door with a mind of anticipation. God is going to do something at church today. He's going to touch me somehow today. My life is not going to be the same today. When I come through that door, anticipating, believing that God is who he said he is, and he's faithful to do what he said he'll do. Amen? So, who cares about your horses? your chariots, your carriages. Approach God with humility. Let's go to the next verse 10. Let me show you how Elijah deals, deals with people like that. <laughs> people, who, who, people who believe that their status is going to make God. Well, let me tell you something about God. God knows you need a ride. I think you're fooling. He knows better than anybody you need a ride. You're going to act like you're getting haughty getting in this car. Oh, I don't want to sit. I don't usually ride in Corollas. But I'll ride today because of you. Tell you something. Get your butt in that car. And become what God wants you to be. Elijah sent the messenger to him. Elijah didn't even go downstairs. Yeah, your dog and pony show. Let that be for you. Elijah sent a messenger to him and said, this is what he said. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Let's talk about the Jordan. You guys been to Italian Lake, right? All right, right, right. It's nice, right? It's nice. How nice would it be if I said, you know what? Let's go, let's go bathe there. Let's go have a swim. Let's go swim. You guys couldn't call me crazy fast enough. Because it's murky, it's dirty, it's filthy. I've never seen the bottom. I, I, every time I go there, it's like I'm a little kid. I take a long stick and say, I'm going to see how deep. I'm going to see how deep it is, you know? But the Jordan was much dirtier than that. See, we don't got cows. We don't wash our cows in the Italian lake. Nor do we bathe, nor do we use the food for cooking, the water for cooking. But they do all that in the Jordan. All of that's going on in the Jordan. They washing clothes, they cooking. They washing their cows, they're, they're, they're giving their horses something to drink, all in the little dirty Jordan. You want me to dip in seven times? This is God sending you left. Why do I gotta, when you really want to go right? this way, God? Every time that you ask, question God, you delay being complete. You delay your completion. You, can, you delay the fact that 
Instead of having nine good things about myself, I could have ten, but I just won't be quiet long enough. I just won't keep my hand off the steering wheel. We have to learn how to do this. We want to be effective. But he told him to go do something that he didn't want to do. You, who you are going to be in Christ is going to be determined by can you be obedient when God tells you to do something you don't want to do. I understood since I was a little child that God wanted me to be a pastor. It's not nothing new. It's not nothing new. But you know what? I had to wait on God to tell me that it was time. You don't have the luxury of moving when you, don't, when you want to move. I'm in God's car. People told me two years ago, why don't you and your wife get a church? You should get a church. <laughs> like it's a decision like that. I'm a person who, who's a, a third, fourth generation preacher's kid. Every aspect of preaching, I've seen it. Every split of a congregation, I've seen it. If you think that somebody would make a decision to go headlong into that without God telling them to do it, <laughs> tell you something. I'll tell you something. You say, that, that, that seat there, it was nothing wrong with that seat for me. But for God, there was something wrong with it. But I didn't have the luxury of moving until God called me to move. Amen? Amen. Your, your effectiveness in this life is contingent upon are you going to move when God tells you to move? Or are you going to argue with him? Or are you going to tell him, no, no, you should go this way. Take 81. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Oh, I'm going to catch it today, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when I get home, I'm telling you, I ain't going to be thinking about Cam Newton. I ain't going to be thinking about Peyton Manning. I'm going to just try to explain to mom. Mom, I, wasn't, I was talking about, but I wasn't. But I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> but who you become. When God tells you to do something you don't want to do, it's going to determine how effective you are in your life. Not only is it going to determine how effective you are, it's going to determine how long it takes for you to become complete. But Naaman went away angry <laughs> and said, now I've been reading this for about two, three weeks now, okay? And every time I read it, I, I, I want to do it like Shakespeare. Like, indeed, I thought he would surely come down. I, this is how I want to do it, okay? But listen, you know, I'm trying to fight back. You know what I mean? I'm trying to fight it back. But I'm telling you, when I read this, I could, I, it's like you could feel, you could feel the pride, the, his pride exuding, surely. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, and wave his hand over me. <laughs> the spot and cure me of the leprosy. <clears throat> People would rather take the, rather than having the effectiveness of God, they would rather have the theatrics of God. A lot of people come to church for theatrics. A lot of people don't think that they're having good church unless somebody falls out. <laughs> but sometimes you go and tap them people that fell out sister, and say, Sister, sister, what was the sermon about? I don't know, but I had a high time. That's real, man. The theatrics of, of God. 
You want the theatrics, okay? We all stay up late at night, can't sleep, turn on the Word channel, and I ain't got, and I tell you, I, I consecrated this rag, and I, I prayed over this rag, and I consecrated it, and I sat it on my table, and I got a bottle of water I want to send you as well. For $40. And when your knee starts, you just lay it on your knee. Just lay it on your knee. Just lay it on your knee and get praise. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And I'm saying that because I know somebody in here bought a handkerchief. Let me tell you something. Your voice moves God. Not no man's hanky. Not no man's bottle of water that he got out the tap. But your voice. God cares enough about you being who you are that he's going to hear you if you call. The theatrics. We need to leave the theatrics and look for the effectiveness of our God. Amen? Let's go are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Look at this dude. <laughs> Didn't you, weren't you a leper your whole life? Little, little insight into what it's like to be a leper. Could you imagine having all of them good characteristics and nobody still wanting to be around you? You were suffering your entire life. But you're going to let the enemy trick you out of dumping yourself seven times in a dirty, in a dirty river. What's dumping yourself seven times to a lifetime of leprosy and no one wanting to be around you, even though you're a good person? That's how the enemy would trick us. He wants to convince us that there is a better way than what the way God's taking you. When you're sitting in the back of God's car, he's still on your shoulder talking about, I don't know why he took that exit. I don't know why, I don't know why he stopped here. And if you buy into it, your life is going to show as a result. If God's driving your car, let him drive. Let him have his way. Don't bark from the back seat. Don't grab the wheel. Amen? Amen. Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? Did I tell you to wash in them and be clean? Or did I tell you to go to the Jordan? What he's basically saying is, couldn't I take this exit? Couldn't I make this turn? Couldn't I stop at this rest stop instead of just hearing what God told him to do? All the while, he's delaying. He is delaying the thing that could make him complete. When you're a man like Naaman, you're highly regarded. People know you. Let me tell you something. The only thing this man really needed was to have his skin cleared up in order to have an abundant life. Some of us are living, but our lives are not abundant. That's not right. God comes to give us life, not just life, but life more abundant. Life in a greater capacity. But we have to allow him to take us where he wants to take us. Amen? Amen? Let's go to the next one, brother. This is, how, this is how God works. He'll utilize somebody lesser than you. To come and, that's happened to me. I'm going to tell you a story. One time I told my son, I said, you know, I only got one girl in my house. I said, so if you're at school and somebody pushes her, I said, what are you going to do? I'm talking to Nehemiah now. And uh, he didn't want to answer because he didn't want to get in trouble. 
So I, I answered for him. I said, let me tell you something. Someone push your sister, you knock her down, knock that dude down, okay? And you're going to be okay. I said, when you come, when you come home, you're going to be okay. So we sitting on the step. My mind's sitting there, he's processing. Got that look on his face. He thinks he's showing all of his, all of his thoughts. <laughs> and then he, uh, he said, Dad, would Jesus want me to push him down? Oh, you're killing me. You're using my power against me. <laughs> but let me tell you something, man. When you're in the wrong lane, all God's concerned about is getting you in the right lane. And what we need to do is we need to remain humble ourselves so that when somebody is ready to tell us what we need to do, where we need to go, how we need to be, we're able to listen. You're not going to be able to listen if, if your life is turned up loud. Because oftentimes, God only talks in little, little nudges. You wonder why, oh, God hasn't talked to me. I've been praying about this. God hasn't talked to me. Have you stopped talking long enough for him to talk to you? Or when you pray, do you feel like you got to fill every bit of space with a word? Prayer has just as much to do with being quiet as it does giving petitions. This is a conversation when you're in prayer. You're conversating. Nobody wants to sit and and have a one-sided conversation. Every time you try to get a word in edgewise, I just went to the store. That's we got. Oh, no, I just went to the. That's irritating. And not only that, you can't even understand or communicate effectively with the person you're talking to because you won't stop talking. Sometimes when you petition God, go before him in quiet. Sometimes when you wake up in the morning to go down and pray, get down on your knees and don't say nothing. Don't say a word. And you'll start hearing things you'll start feeling little nudges, okay? But if you're not humble, and if your life is turned way up, you'll, be, you'll miss it, amen? amen. <laughs> Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some, some great thing, would you have done it? If he would have told you to Bathe in water that was clean. Would you have been okay with that? We're okay with doing it. It's easy to serve God when you have a desire to do the things he wants you to do. But what happens when he desires for you to do something that's outside of your will? Who will you become then? These are the moments, these are the instances where we become who we are. Amen? Amen. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, will you have done it? How much more then when he tells you to go and wash and be cleansed? Sometimes the, the magnitude of something is too big. And if we just really think about it just as it is, was what he was at, what the prophet asked him to do, was it much compared to having a life, a life of nobody wanting to be around you? The things that God is asking you to do today, are they much? Or is it you just don't want to do them? Amen? Amen. Final scripture. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the, as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like a young boy. Obedience. That's it. That's what it is. Obedience. God is calling his people to be an obedient people in this day and age. You understand? If the word of God says it, implement it into your life. It doesn't matter whether you understand it. When me and my wife first got together, she said, I I just don't believe that, that Jonah really was in the belly of a fish. I mean, a big fish. This is my wife. 
back in the day. But you know what? She believed it until God could show it to her herself. He's just asking you to believe today. Today, praise team, come on up. Today, I want you to consider what you're petitioning God for. And then I want you to ask yourself, am I allowing him to answer my prayer? Or am I trying to tell him where he needs to go? Amen? Amen. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through this morning, if you're having an issue with obedience, you're tripping over an area of your life, as we all are, and you're looking for someone to touch and agree with you this morning, we love to pray with you this morning. If you don't know God and the pardoning of your sins, we love you to come and give your life to Christ this morning. Amen? We don't want you driving on your own. You can't get to where you need to get by yourself. But we serve a God who is more than able. Amen? So we're asking our intercessors to come up and the altar is open. Let us touch and agree and leave out of that door different than when we walked in this morning. Amen? All right. I surrender all to you. Withholding nothing, I surrender all to you. Everything I gave to you. Withholding nothing, holding nothing, withholding nothing. Here I am to bow down. Here I am. 
yourself to Jesus today. Hallelujah. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. When you say it, mean it. When you say it, mean it. Hey. I give myself away so you I want you guys to sing, my life is not my own. Everybody. My life is not my own, to you I belong, I give myself, I give myself to you. When you're saying to you, it's to Jesus. My life is not my own, my life is not my own, to you I belong, I give myself, I give myself to you. You're worthy, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord. And thank you. Thank you, Lamont, for your word this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm tempted to say to, to Mama Yule, I have a large wooden spoon we used to use on our boys growing up. You can swing by the house and uh, pick it right up. I need that. I need that. No, your son did well, and we love you, and thank you for having a good attitude. I, that's a word of prophecy. And <laughs> so I'm going to have a benediction, and then we're going to please stay for counsel. Pastor Linda will have some words of direction. We're going to have the benediction, and, and then uh, we'll get going on that. So Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to be obedient. Lord, the biggest breakthroughs sometimes can come through the simplest actions if we will just obey you. Help us to do it in Jesus' name. Bondages are broken by simple things. Help us to obey. Lives are set free by simple things. Help us to be free in Jesus' name. Bless us as we go. And bless our council meeting, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.